The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, Sanira Chaudhry is here, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Robert Benzi, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star. Richard Krause is the host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krause. Um, I assume nothing, but I figure maybe you guys were listening to the conversation I just had with Aaron Real about how your smart speaker probably absolutely is listening to you. Uh, Robert Benzi, does that freak you out? I don't have a smart speaker, even though you've been giving them away for years on the air, John. Um, I still don't have one, hint, hint. Um, you know, but I, 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 I'm not, yeah, I, 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 it's the same reason I don't have one of the, I, I have a different kind of alarm system. I don't have one of those listening alarms, you know, it was an alarm force or something that they had that was list, would listen, was a microphone or something. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, in the sense that, Right. We've given up a lot of our privacy thanks to social media and Facebook and Instagram and everything. But I, I'm still not super crazy about microphones in my house. So I and I consider the Alexa and things like that. I mean, I don't even use Siri on my on my on my iPhone. So no, neither do I actually. I'm yeah. technical technologically, I'm a moron. But uh, Richard Kraus, do you have a smart speaker? Oh, yeah, we have uh, a couple of them in different rooms. And, you know, I, I assumed that they were spying on us. I assumed that they were listening to everything that we were saying. Um, so, I mean, it hasn't changed the way we talk around here or the things that we talk about at all. Uh, but the thing that does freak me out is when it just randomly comes to life and says, hello, in that robotic voice that kind of fills <laughs> the room. And you're like, who, who is here? What is this thing slowly becoming sentient and uh, wants our attention <laughs> even more? Yeah, Sunira, um, the speaker I have doesn't tend to spontaneously erupt in anything, but I have heard tale of like in the middle of the night, uh, uh, one of these speakers laughing. Mm-hmm. Ours has laughed. Yeah. Sanera. I, I, have, I, have, I haven't gotten the last. I haven't gotten the last, but we do have an Alexa at home. And, you know, my my son now is almost three and he's trying to get Alexa, you know, to talk to him all the time. So that's a huge problem. But the other thing is that, you know, I do have Siri on my iPhone and, the, and I see seriously a lot. And so I feel like I'm just... It, she oh, comes to life all yeah. the time when I don't want her to. So I do have to edit myself a, a bit in terms of, you, you know, she comes to life when she definitely shouldn't be. <laughs> all right. Now <laughs> I'm even more unsettled. Um, I had to sit down for a half an hour yesterday with the chief of police, and um, we talked about an awful lot of things. One of the things we touched on, though, was just sort of this is the first anniversary of him becoming the chief. And... In the early part of this year, we spent a lot of time talking about how there was this unease in the city of Toronto, and it wasn't only about criminality, but that was a big part of it. So I just wanted to sound you guys out on whether or not you feel safer now than you did then. And I'll start with the guy who lives, you know, the Boulevardier, as I like to call you, Richard Krauss, <laughs> but lives in the heart of the city. Do you feel safer now than you did, say, earlier this year? I, I don't. And I think a lot of it is situational. Uh, if I'm on the subway, I have to tell you that I still don't feel uh, completely safe. And I know the subways are a little busier now, so I suppose more people uh, on the subway, more people around you uh, means that there's probably less chance of anything really serious happening because they're just uh, there's more people to step in and help or whatever or to prevent something terrible from happening. But even yesterday, I was uh, made to feel extremely 
extraordinarily uh, uncomfortable on the subway uh, by uh, the actions of a couple of people who um, I don't think you know, if there were guards on the subway would have been uh, behaving in the way that they are so or that they were. And so uh, the honest answer is no, I don't feel any safer than I did a year ago. And uh, it has given me sort of a a sense of unease, like uh, Deb Hutton was saying, I kind of think twice now if I'm going to be taking the subway and living in downtown Toronto, uh, I have always relied on the TTC. And I really regret and am a little saddened that I feel that way, but it is embedded in me now. Okay. Sonera, what are your thoughts? Well, John, I've lived, uh, you know, downtown for about 10 years now. And I would say before the pandemic or right when I moved downtown, especially, you know, walking home late, you know, after a late dinner or something like that, I wouldn't ever even think twice. I don't know that I feel the same way now, but, uh, you know, I, I think during the pandemic, there was a a totally different vibe or feeling even walking around the city. I would say I feel a bit safer now. I did uh, sandwich runs for the homeless with with a group of people before the pandemic certainly stopped during the pandemic because I think a lot of people felt that there was a lot of of aggression. Uh, But uh, my team and I were actually back to doing it now. We did it a month ago. We're doing it in a couple of days. People that we're meeting that are either homeless or underhoused great people to talk to and connect with so i do i feel like people are getting back to normal and that that aggression is certainly not what it was like during the pandemic so i I actually feel that it is safer and robert benzie there's a certain irrationality to how we allow our gut to tell us whether or not we're safe um but i do actually feel a little safer now than i did say when some guy was chasing me around at the college subway station well, yeah, I remember that. Um, it, I I agree with with Richard that that it that on the subway I still feel unease that I didn't feel before the pandemic, um, but I think the city by and large feels safer because more people are out and about. And this is something we've talked a lot about on this panel over the course of this year and through the pandemic that. I think that it's better for the city and it's better for our, 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 our civic engagement in our lives if more of us are, are back in the office, mm-hmm. back walking around, going mm-hmm. to the path, the, the path Absolutely. underneath the, to the Bay Street, you know, towers, as Richard's talked about this a lot, too. The, the, it, I, I feel much safer when I see lots of people about and when I don't see everything shuttered. I find that very um, discombobulating when I when I walk through places, malls or, or underground, things like that, where there's where things are shuttered. I, I just feel much better when there's more people about, more eyes and ears. And I, it's not a police presence thing. It's just having other human beings out and about. No, I think you're absolutely right. And certainly in the path for a while, it was like Dawn of the Dead, but it yeah. seems to be coming back to life. Okay, so let me ask you about uh, how Canadians self-regard in terms of what class they might be a part of. And overwhelmingly, people think that they're middle class, even people who don't make a lot of money. And Sunira, I'll start with you. Uh, people, 92% of people who make $150,000 a year call themselves middle class. Yeah, you know, John, I think this is interesting, but I think regardless of the income, anyone feeling fearful about their future, wherever they sit financially, are going to probably call themselves uh, middle class middle class that they may feel they need to dip into their retirement savings or sell an asset. Um, if, if they aren't able to build, if they aren't, if, and if they feel like they're just hanging on or subtracting from their assets, people are not going to, to feel as though they're financially secure upper class. And we 
certainly, I think, have a problem with that in, in this province and potentially this country, too. We don't want people feeling that they can't build. But I, I think certainly this year in particular, people are feeling overwhelmed by inflation and they're feeling more like they're going to have to dip into savings and subtract from what they've built up rather than add to it. Although, Robert Benzi, I guess it could be argued that maybe the whole idea of ranking people by class is, is thoroughly yesterday. Um, I mean, my parents were obsessed with it to the point where, and I was saying, this on the rush yesterday afternoon, um, they had three levels for every class. There was lower middle class, middle middle class, you know, and, and then on it would go. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think, uh, John, that, that I don't want to say Canada is a classless society, but we don't have the obsession with with social class that you see in the certainly in the United Kingdom, where where my father's from. That that your accent, where you went to school, those things really kind of define you from the day the day you're born until the day you die. And I don't think that's quite the same here in part because this is such a like just such a rich mosaic of a, of a culture from people from all over the world have come to Canada and everyone is kind of making a go of it. Um, but I, certainly, I think in terms of economics, I think the middle class, whatever that, however you define that, is fear, feeling more vulnerable because of, you know, the current affordability crisis. But I, I don't think that we're as obsessed with social class the way that I think uh, you see in other places. Richard Krauss, I was talking about this story earlier in the show and talking about this aspect of uh, people making $150,000 a year saying they're middle mm. class. And somebody texted in and said, well, we have bills to pay too. And I thought, yeah, but if the median income is 68000 then you're doing pretty well at one hundred and fifty. Yeah, $150,000 a year is, is good money, so really solid money. But I agree with Robert. I don't know that we really... Uh, concentrate on a pecking order of, of human structure in this country as much. And I was reading through this uh, this article that was sent over, and, you know, there's a, a number of things here uh, that, that suggest that perhaps people agree with me here. Like there's um, one line here about uh, how many people are in or consider themselves part of the middle class. And then paradoxically, 77% of people feel that Canada's middle class is shrinking and the numbers don't seem to really add up. So I'm not really sure that this is something that people think about. I think that people look at the amount of money they have left over at the end of the month uh, and say, do I have enough money to pay my bills? Can I put food on the table? And that's how people define themselves, not so much with a title. How revolutionary is it that uh, Pope Francis has decided that priests can now bless gay marriages? Uh, Robert Benzi, it seems counterintuitive, to say the least, for a Catholic to say that, you know, OK, listen, it's a sin, but we're going to bless you anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's small blessings, I guess. It's a, a step in the right direction. And maybe by the in a thousand years, uh, women can be ordained as priests too. I mean, and 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 abortion rights and reproduction rights will also be part of Catholic doctrine. I don't know. I it's still staggering to me that uh, that any church that wants to appeal to a lot of people would would be, want to be exclusionary. I mean, if you, I mean, gays and lesbians have the same rights and and the same faith as everyone else. So why can't that? I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that the Pope has done this, but I'm like, what took you so long? Okay. Well, Sanira, I have said on the show this morning that it's this is a kind of reasoning that only a Jesuit would arrive at, the idea that something is a sin, but we're going to bless it anyway. 
Yeah, it's it's certainly, you know, getting into a, a lukewarm bath. It's, it's it's a half measure that really, I, I don't know, is going to appease anyone. And uh, I agree with Benzie. Uh, there, there, there's a, a place for modernizing religion, but I, I think at the, the the heart of it, people that turn to religion, uh, they they're looking for something like unconditional love. And if when you're placing limitations on that, when you're placing limitations on being accepted, I don't know that, uh, you know, it, it certainly place, places into question the role that religion is going to play, especially when, if, if we're calling this progress, my goodness, uh, I, I don't know what we would see in 100 or 200 or 300 years. Although Richard Krauss, I suspect this isn't going to fly well in the more traditional Catholic countries. Oh, I think you're probably right about that. I think that, uh, you know, when they changed uh, masses from Latin to English, that still is controversial. So, uh, you know, I, I think in, uh, that I agree with Michael Korn when he was on yesterday on The Rush talking about this, that this is a step forward, but it is just that. It is a first tentative step, dipping the toe in the water. Uh, and I think that probably to, um, you know, in the very near future, well, maybe in the next, you know, decade or so, that we'll see an expansion of this. But I think this is a very, very important first step. Thank you all. Good to have you. Great talk today. Richard Krauss, Robert Benzie, and Sanira Chaudhry. And we've got to step aside for a moment because it's time for the 9 o'clock news. But how excited am I about this? Coming up in the next hour, I told you this story last week, and we found the guy. He is trying to locate a group of people who saved his life off of the 401 some 40 or some years ago. And so he'll tell you his story and maybe we find that person today.